Cue and Review, celebrating 40 years of audio production, welcomes you to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast, recorded from our studio in the Bishopbriggs Media Centre and by our volunteers working from home. Keep up to date with Cue and Review news via our Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at Cue and Review, that's at sign C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W or get in touch with us directly by emailing information at qreview.com that's I-N-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N at sign C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot C-O-M or by calling 0141-772-3976 Please like and share our podcast and give us constructive feedback. Evening Times Sport July 18 Brendan Rogers provides Celtic transfer update Report by Aidan Smith Brendan Rogers has issued an update on Celtic's incoming transfers with two deals set to be completed this week. The Hoops have plenty cash to spend after landing a bumper £25 million fee for winger Jota earlier this window. Rogers was also given assurances that he has a big kitty to spend this summer as he looks to build his Celtic squad into a European force. The Scottish champions are set to seal deals for Korean youngsters Yang Hyun Jun and Kweon Hayok Ki this week, and Rogers admits he is sticking to the successful transfer model already in place. He explained, yes, there's money there, but it doesn't always mean if you spend £9 million or £10 million, you are going to get a top player. There might be someone within your academy, or someone at £2 million or £3 million, that can become a £20 million or £30 million player. My strength is development, and I have worked closely with the people here to improve the squad. Yes, the club is in a great position, but there is a model here. Coming in this second time, I've been very clear of where that is at. It's what I'm looking forward to. I can bring players in, and you want players who are first team ready. But it's seeing what the needs of the squad are and then getting the best player possible within that model. Rogers has already brought in Odin Thiago home and Marco Tilio since replacing Ange Postecoglou as manager and after assessing his squad in Portugal last week, the Northern Irishman is now ready to get to work in Japan. Games against Yokohama F. Marinos and Gamba Osaka are to come, and Rogers explained, It was only fair to assess the squad first. Coming in, there were already positions I felt we could improve on, but we're in a period of assessment right now. What we have done is try to plan for the future with some of the signings that have come in. One that could play now but will be really value going forward. 
it's too late when the future comes. But that's one of the things I've been really impressed with. This process of planning behind the scenes, from Chief Executive Michael Nicholson and recruitment guru Mark Lowell. There's a really good process in place, and the club is in a really good place. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Times Sport July 18 Hamden could play host to UEFA club competition finals in 2026 and 2027. Report by Aidan Smith Hamden Park could play host to a number of European finals in 2026 and 2027, it has been revealed. The SFA have put Scotland's national stadium forward as a possible host for the UEFA Women's Champions League final, UEFA Europa League final and the UEFA Conference League final in both years, but the stadium will face stiff competition. The likes of the Leipzig Stadium, the Yule Val Stadium in Oslo and Galatasaray's Neff Stadium could also be selected. A UEFA statement read, UEFA has confirmed that it has received declarations of interest from nine member associations to host UEFA club competition finals in 26 and 27. The declarations of interest are not binding and the final proposals will have to be delivered with the bid dossiers by 21 February 2024. All declarations apply to both the 26 or 27 club finals. The UEFA Executive Committee will appoint the host associations of the eight finals in May 2024. The bidding procedure for the selection of the venues to host the 26 and 27 UEFA club competition finals was launched on 17 May 23, with a 17 July 23 deadline set for associations to express their interest. The full list of interested bidders UEFA Champions League Final Hungary, Budapest, Pushkash Arena Italy, Milan, Stadio San Siro UEFA Women's Champions League Final Germany, Gelsenkirchen or Munich or Stuttgart Only one host city and venue to be confirmed at bid submission Norway, Oslo, Yule Val Stadium Scotland, Glasgow, Hamden Park UEFA Europa League Final Germany, Dusseldorf or Frankfurt or Gelsenkirchen or Leipzig or Stuttgart. Only one host city and venue to be confirmed at bid submission. Romania, Bucharest National Arena. Scotland, Glasgow, Hamden Park. Turkey, Istanbul, Besiktas, JK or Fenerbahce, SK or Galatasaray. Only one venue to be confirmed at bid submission. UEFA Conference League Final Germany, Leipzig, Leipzig Stadium Israel, Jerusalem, Teddy Stadium Norway, Oslo, Yuleval Stadium Scotland, Glasgow, Hamden Park 
Switzerland, Geneva, Stade de Geneva, Turkey, Istanbul, Besiktas, JK or Fenerbahce, SK or Galatasaray. Only one venue to be confirmed at bid submission. Report by Aidan Smith. Evening Times Sport. July 18. Alfred Morales stuck in limbo. Report by Mark Walker. Former Rangers striker Alfredo Morales has revealed he remains stuck in football limbo and is no closer to finding a new club. The 27-year-old Colombian hitman left Ibrox after his contract expired this summer, after scoring 124 goals in total during his six-year stint. But he's yet to find a new team, despite clubs across Europe being well into their pre-season training build-up before the commencement of new campaigns. However, Morellis, in an interview in his homeland, insists he is relaxed about his situation and remains confident he will find a new club soon. He said, I have made it clear I want to stay in Europe and play football there. We are currently working towards making that happen. No, I still don't have anything and there is nothing close, but hopefully something interesting will come up. I am calm and relaxed about the situation. I have been able to spend a lot of time with my family for a change, which has been nice. I want to play in a good European league, which my family would enjoy. I am looking forward to the new season, just as I did every single season when I was at Rangers. At Rangers, I had great years there, and I am proud of how it went for me when I was there. My favourite memory was winning the league, but I was pleased with how I did in every season. Now it is just a case of waiting for a new opportunity elsewhere. Report by Mark Walker Evening Times Sport, July 18 Lawless happy to put Ross County defeat to bed. Report by James Kearney Stephen Lawless admits that Patrick Thistle's dramatic singe Premiership playoff final defeat away to Ross County last month was weighing on his mind as Saturday's curtain raiser at Balmoor Stadium went to penalties and the winger was relieved as his side eventually triumphed in a remarkable shootout. The Jags were denied promotion to the top flight after missing out on penalties in Dingwall and 41 days later, as the Viaplay Cup kicked off, another shootout beckoned after Peterhead's Hamish Ritchie cancelled out Harry Mullen's early opener for the visitors. Lawless was the second Thistle player to make the long walk to the penalty spot from the halfway line and it was a journey he had to make twice after a full round of spot kicks could not separate the two sides. Brian Graham and goalkeeper Jamie Snedden would miss their kicks, but Lawless's second penalty would prove to be particularly important. The 32-year-old stuck to his original routine, and it paid dividends once again, 
before Snedden saved the decisive spot kick immediately afterwards to seal the bonus point. Admitted Lawless, I've never been involved in a shootout like that. I've scored two penalties in a game for Livingston before, but not that. I didn't think it was going to get back round to me. A few boys I never fancied, but they managed to put them away. My first penalty was terrible. I got away with one. So I was thinking, you can't miss a second after that. I was committed to going the same side. I have a wee routine, but that's the first penalty I've hit in ages. The second one was what I meant to do the first time. I'll put it down to rustiness. 100% Dingwall was on our minds, even the journey up there. The game wasn't great, but as soon as you miss penalties, you worry. I'm glad we managed to get the result, because it could have lingered a bit longer if we didn't. That's it put to bed now. As for the two missed kicks, well, let's just say that Lawless has more sympathy for one of his teammates than the other. When he said, Jamie's job is to save them, so he's managed to get us the win. It was more Brian Graham. His penalty was shocking. He went to the keeper's left, but I think everyone in the stadium knew he was going there. That's the only good thing. He was arguing about who was taking them this season. So that's been put to bed now. Tanadice awaits this evening for Lawless and his teammates. And while the winger is expecting to be met by a Dundee United side itching to put the record straight after they suffered a one nothing defeat to Spartans on Saturday, he will not be reading too much into the result, no matter which way it goes. United might well be a wounded animal at present, he says, but they will be an altogether different beast by the time the league campaign kicks off at the start of next month. And he continued, It could be the case, we know they're a good squad, but this time of the season is very false. I don't think we're anywhere near the finished article ourselves, and I don't think they will be. I wouldn't look too much into this game ahead of the rest of the season. It's so early that it could be a completely different team we face in the league. They have spending power that we probably don't have, and maybe a poor League Cup group stage would make them go and spend more. It would be good to go there and get the win though. There will be two opponents in the host squad tonight that Lawless is very familiar with. Defender Kevin Holt and central midfielder Ross Doherty, both of whom swapped Firhill for Tannadice last month when their Thistle contracts expired. Beyond congratulating the pair on their moves, Lawless says he hasn't had much contact with his former teammates since they ventured north, but he reckons that will change as soon as the match gets underway this evening. And he added, I've not spoken to them since they went up because it's been quite a quick turnaround. I wish them all the best. It's been that frantic a season to start. I've not spoken to them since. Hopefully we'll have the bragging rights. They will be back and forth at Tannadice 100%. I've always got something like that wherever I go, but especially it's going to be with those two.
Liam Grimshaw as well. He's quieter though, so I leave him to it. He'd murder me anyway. Holty isn't shy, he's got a big mouth, and no doubt he'll be giving it big licks. Report by James Kearney Evening Times Sport, July 19 Boxing Lee McGregor expecting emotional night in world title bout. Report by Graeme McPherson Lee McGregor reckons he will struggle to keep his emotions in check if he becomes world champion. The Edinburgh boxer takes on Mexican Eric Robles at Meadowbank on Friday night with the IBO Super Bantamweight title up for grabs. It has been a hellish two years for the former European champion who has struggled with injuries and seen numerous fights called off. But the 26-year-old believes it will be all worthwhile once he gets the belt around his waist. He said, These last 18 months have been the worst times of my life. I've broken down many times and said I can't carry on. Fight dates were falling through. I was getting let down all the time. I was spending money I didn't have to travel to and from London and then accommodation. I was training, putting my body through hell with no end goal. I felt like I was suffering, but we said there would be light at the end of the tunnel, and I hoped and prayed that would be the case. For us to now be here in fight week, achieving a dream of mine as a young boy, becoming a world champion in my hometown, coming back to Edinburgh for the first time since my debut, is surreal. I think it will be an emotional night. There's a lot built up inside me. I spent so much time away from my family, seen my gym mates winning world titles and having the best nights of their life. I was there knowing that was my dream and I was on the cusp of it. Then from nowhere, I found myself not knowing what was happening. This is a whole new chapter and it starts on Friday night and I'm excited to get going. Once it's out of the way, there's going to be a lot of emotion. It's going to be special, and an opportunity to feel human again, and be normal. I'm in a good place right now. I might be a bit emotional in terms of thinking about my daughter and my family, and what I've been through, and what's at stake. But I really do believe this is a good thing, and I'm so focused. McGregor's close pal and former world champion Josh Taylor will be there on the night to offer his backing and he added, he's going to be at the fight which is nice, that means so much. Report by Graeme McPherson Evening Times Sport, July 19 Celtic announce new non-executive director Report by Aidan Smith Celtic have announced the appointment of Brian Rose as a new non-executive director with immediate effect. A lifelong Celtic supporter, Rose is currently a director of Apple Services in London. Rose has worked in the entertainment and content industry for over two decades, 
including roles at market-leading music and film companies. During this period, Rose was Managing Director of Commercial from 2003 to 2016 for Universal Music, the world's most successful music company. Throughout this time, Rose has been at the forefront of the development of new digital content strategies, leading to improved customer experience and growth for rights holders and creators. Celtic Chairman Peter Lowell commented, We are delighted to bring Brian onto Celtic's Board of Directors, and we believe his knowledge and experience will be invaluable to us as we continue to drive the club forward. Brian has extensive digital and commercial experience within leading organisations, and we look forward to drawing on his talent in those areas to add real benefit to the club and our supporters. Brian Rose added, It is a tremendous honour to join Celtic, and I am really looking forward to working with other board members and colleagues to contribute to the continued growth and development of the club, which I have such affection for. We are enjoying a fantastic period of sustained success at the club, on and off the pitch, and my aim will be to build on this great work, using my experience from different but very complementary industries. I look forward to playing my part in our future and continuing in our objective of delivering to our supporters a world-leading football club in every aspect. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Times Sport July 19 McElroy and McIntyre march to beat of own drums ahead of the Open Report by Nick Roger Back in 1955, the bold Gary player could not afford a hotel room for the Open in St Andrews, so he slept in the dunes by the seaside. Well, with that intrepid enthusiasm in mind, and the fact that accommodation for any major event these days costs as much as an entire crate of Fabergé eggs, a colleague and I are staying on a campsite at the Hoylake Rugby Club for this week's showpiece on the world. As Shakespeare did not quite scribble, this is the summer of our discount tent. Now there's a cornball gag that's as ancient as old Wally himself. After digesting that opening meander, your mind is probably now awash with deliciously appalling images of this correspondent shuffling from the communal showers and mulling over the vagaries and subtle nuances of Lynx Golf while waving a cheery hello to George and Elsie as they hang their simmets and bloomers up to dry on the awning of their ageing Datsun caravanette. Talking of happy campers, Rory McElroy will be so cock-a-hoop after his thrilling win in the Genesis Scottish Open at the weekend. I am expecting his voice to wake us from our slumbers on a jovial tannoy announcement akin to the one Gladys Pugh would make during an episode of Heidi High. 
Sunday showdown between McElroy and our own Robert McIntyre was a right old treat. The men's professional scene has been riven with rancour and division over the last year or so. There have been occasions at certain tournaments when the all-consuming, wearying narrative has been us versus them as loyalists of the established tours parried and jousted with the LIV rebels. The Scottish Open, though, was simply about golfing competition with no underlying tensions, background grumblings or scores to settle. It was a feel-good Scottish Open and in many ways it was a refreshing tonic. In this opinionated world of ours, where folk are constantly hissing, harumphing and hectoring about all manner of things on the knee-jerk medium of social media, McIntyre certainly proved a few doubters wrong. After his playoff win over Mac Fitzpatrick in the Italian Open last year, McIntyre went off the boil. By his own admission, he had lost the buzz for the game. But in this pursuit of bountiful peaks and troughs, that can be par for the course. Some of the outpourings on social media, an odd platform which has about as much calm, level-headed reason as a nuclear warhead, just about had him written off amid great hysterical torrents of downbeat analysis. T'was ever thus in a country that has a nagging irresistible predilection to snipe at its own. Here in the cradle of the golf, there is a desperation for our players to have mighty success. It's one of the burdens that comes with being from the home of golf. Let's face it, we were spoiled by the exploits of the likes of Sandy Lyle, Sam Torrance, Colin Montgomery, Paul Laurie or Katrina Matthew down the years. You'll never please everybody, of course. Various observers have suggested McIntyre should be doing this, that and a bit of the other. They compare him with other players of a similar vintage who have won here, there and everywhere amid impatient and often unrealistic expectation. McIntyre is only 26. He has two tour wins, two top tens in the Open and a twelfth at the Masters in recent years. His efforts at the weekend, in a field featuring eight of the world's top ten, underlined his fondness for the big stage as he forced McElroy to produce his very best on those closing two holes to steal the bounty. It's an impressive body of work, and the open lefty continues to chart his own course of progression, not anybody else's. As for McElroy, well, his victory at the Renaissance has only heightened the panting fever surrounding him as he seeks to end a major drought that's been going on for so long. The Northern Irishman is in danger of being hit with a hosepipe ban. That he cancelled his pre-tournament press conference scheduled for today suggests that he is trying to avoid all the preview pandemonium. It worked for him in Scotland last week when he sidestepped his media engagements and lifted a title. Michael Roy won the Open here at Hoylake in 2014, then landed the United States PGA Championship a month later 
to take his major tally to four, but he's been stuck on that number ever since. Without wanting to show any favouritism, us golf writers are an impartial old lot. A victory for McElroy would do wonders for the wider game and its scrap for relevance in a jammed sporting market. A casual tune-in to various sports bulletins has the build-up to this week's fourth Ashes test in cricket, very much at the top of the agenda. If you wanted to watch highlights of the Scottish Open at yon time the other night, meanwhile, you had to wait until footage of the women's ashes had been on first. R&A officials will be well aware that an Open finishing on the same day as affairs at Old Trafford is not ideal in terms of focus and public interest. No pressure then, Rory. Then again, we wouldn't be complaining about a McIntyre win either, would we? says Nick Roger. Evening Times Sport July 19 Rangers Transfer Update Report by Aidan Smith Michael Beale hopes he is closing in on another two additions to his Rangers squad. The Ibrox boss, who has signed seven new faces this summer, was speaking after the light blues went down 2-1 to Newcastle in Alan McGregor's testimonial. The visitors took the lead in the 16th minute through Miguel Almaron, but in the 64th minute Dutch attacker Sam Lammers levelled for the home side with an Ibrox debut goal. However, with three minutes remaining, Scotland under-21 defender Ashby headed over McGregor's replacement, home deputant Jack Butland, for the winner. Beale was asked about Feyenoord's Brazilian attacker Danilo and the Ecuadorian midfielder Jose Cifuentes from Los Angeles FC after the game. He said, Danilo is a player that we like. I think a lot of people like He's not the only forward we are talking to, but he's the one that's out there. Sifuentes is again a player we like, and we hope that's one that can be moved on. I think we need to bring in one more midfielder. He's powerful, he works the corridor, he can play deep, or he can play as an eight. Asked if he hoped players would be in before their first league game against Kilmarnock on August 5. Beale said, yes, definitely. You can see we did a lot of our work early. The boys have only been back two weeks and tonight was our first game in front of the public. I won't put a number on how many will come in. The market is moving quite quickly. We have real set targets and we have managed to get some done. I am really pleased with the work we have done. We will see some outs in the coming days as well. We are ahead of schedule. On that note, Beale was also asked about midfielder Glenn Kamara, who has been linked with Leeds, and he said, There have been quite a few inquiries for Glenn. We gave him an extended break due to his international stuff in the summer, and unfortunately, 
He has been ill for the last few days. He didn't come to Germany with us, but he's due to return to training in the coming days. That will be ongoing, that speculation. On Scott Wright, linked with a move to Turkey, Beale said, Scott, this summer, has had one or two inquiries. He's at an age where he wants to go and play regularly. I can't guarantee that. He'll have to fight for his minutes like everyone else here. I'm not willing to guarantee anyone that they're going to play, and I think he's at an age where he's good enough to play, and he probably feels that he's spent a lot of time here trying to get into the team. We're off on Wednesday, which gives him a chance to speak to one or two people and maybe make some decisions for himself. But there's nothing guaranteed on that one. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Times Sport July 19 Schedule announced for British and Irish Lions Tour of Australia The British and Irish Lions are set to play in front of a record crowd of around 100,000 at Melbourne Cricket Ground during their 2025 Tour of Australia. The MCG has been announced as the venue for the Lions' second test against Eddie Jones' Wallabies on Saturday, July 26. The series will begin a week earlier at the 52,500 capacity Suncoe Stadium in Brisbane, with the final at Sydney's Accor Stadium, which can hold more than 80,000 fans on Saturday, August 2. Two years out from the tour, a nine-match itinerary beginning on Wednesday, July 2 against Queensland Reds in Brisbane has been confirmed for the Lions' first visit to Australia since their 2-1 series success in 2013. The Lions will have the longest preparation period for a tour in recent history, thanks to cooperation from Premiership Rugby and the United Rugby Championship. Ben Calvelli, CEO of the British and the Irish Lions, said, We are delighted to announce the tour schedule as we look ahead to what is to be one of the most eagerly anticipated series in history. The Lions' upcoming tour also includes a warm-up match against a combined Australia and New Zealand side in Adelaide. They are bidding for their first tour success since beating the Wallabies a decade ago, having lost 2-1 in South Africa two years ago following a tied 2017 series in New Zealand. Crowds were unable to attend matches against the Springboks in 2021 as the three tests were played behind closed doors due to coronavirus restrictions. Ian Evans, chairman of the British and Irish Lions, said, Lions tours to Australia have always been memorable occasions and the 2025 tour promises to be no different. The British and Irish Lions are also exploring the concept of an inaugural Lions women's tour following positive findings arising from a feasibility study. Evening Times Sport, July 20 Celtic 
Yang opens up on Olympic hopes with South Korea. Report by Mark Lockett. New Celtic signing Yang has revealed he's desperate to play for South Korea at the Olympics next year, with the 21-year-old yet to complete his mandatory military service. The hoops have snapped up Yang, along with countryman Kwon, in a double swoop on the Asian country. They will join South Korean international striker Oh in Glasgow, as Brendan Rodgers' side prepares for the new season. However, unlike Oh and Kwon, Yang has still to complete his military conscription, South Korean media have confirmed. All males must complete their military service in South Korea before they turn 28, and it lasts for 21 months. But he has a glimmer of hope that he can avoid being called up for the army. South Korean footballers who win Olympic gold are exempt from fulfilling their full military service as an incentive to win. And Yang admitted he would love to be called up for the tournament next year in Paris, which takes place in July to August. He said, I don't think it's a certainty I will get called up for the Olympics. If I'm doing well at Celtic this season, then it's also good for coach Hang. I have to prove that I should be selected. The first step will be adapting to life at Celtic and showing them what kind of player I am. New teammate Kwan revealed earlier this week he was first told about Celtic's interest in him when he completed his military service. He said, The first time I heard about a transfer to Celtic was from a sergeant in the army when I was at Gimcheon Sangmu, so it was an unusual way for me to find out. And O completed his military service last year and explained, I was a sergeant in the army and was discharged in 2021. I know it's much younger than a lot of my friends, but I wanted to complete it as early as I could. I enlisted as young as I could at 18. I admit I was envious of my friends at the time, who decided to leave it until later, but the reason was so that it would give me the best chance to be a success in my football career and eventually move to Europe. Tottenham Hotspur star Son won a partial exemption from military service by helping South Korea win the Asian Games gold medal, but still had to partake in a shorter stint in the army during COVID lockdown. Report by Mark Walker Evening Times Sport July 20 Ryan Jack on his key Rangers role. Report by Aidan Smith. It remains to be seen how much of a role Ryan Jack will play under Michael Beale at Rangers this season, but the Scotland international's experience could well play a key role as the Ibrox club looks to wrestle its way back into a challenge for the Scottish Premiership title. Jack penned a one-year deal this summer but his future at Ibrox was not always a foregone conclusion, with contract talks extending over several weeks and months 
into the close season. The New Deal will take the 31-year-old into a seventh season in Govan, and after making over 180 appearances in blue, Jack is determined to play his part in Beale's first full season in charge. He explained, Look, I think first and foremost, I just need to work hard, get my head down, be fit, be available, and whenever you get your opportunity, you've got to try and take it. That's the competition that we're going to have in each position going forward. I think even in training, we can see the levels went up and the standards improved. So not just for myself or for midfielders, I think all over the pitch there's competition. There's two or three each position. So I think if the team's going to be successful, then everyone's going to have to play a part. I don't think it's just about me and me responding positively. I think it's the whole group. I think that's why the manager strengthened the squad, because last year wasn't good enough. We want to improve the squad. We'll have more quality, more options. And I think we've done that so far. And as you say, there might be a few more coming in. So it's all going to help us to obviously try and go and be successful and try to win trophies. Jack has won both the Scottish Premiership and the Scottish Cup during his time at the club, but he hopes to add to that trophy hall this term after Celtic won the treble last term under Ange Postecoglou. As a senior member of the Rangers squad, the midfielder also feels he has extra responsibility to help the youth and new arrivals settle into life in Glasgow. And he continued, I think the additions look really good. They're all going to help us in different ways. Sam got his goal against Newcastle and works his socks off for the team. He's an honest player. I think you'll see that throughout pre-season, that all the new guys will come in, they'll integrate, and they'll all bring different things to the team. So, as I say, hopefully next couple of weeks we'll see more of that and we'll see the rewards of pre-season. I have extra responsibility helping the new guys. As soon as you walk in, it doesn't matter where you've come from or who you've played for. I think you feel how special the club is and you feel that demand straight away. So I don't think anyone's going to need us to tell them. But I think at the right times, we can always help and guide. And because we've been here, had experience here, been through different experiences. So I think that will definitely help us pre-season and as the season unfolds. But everyone's doing really well so far and pre-season has been good. So I cannot complain. Rangers are currently preparing for Champions League qualifiers with matches to come next month and Jack feels the squad is in good place after a week of work in Germany. Speaking after Alan McGregor's testimonial against Newcastle at Ibrox, he said, I think so far we're in a good place. We just recently got back from pre-season camp in Germany and it was eight days and it was tough work with a game at the end of that. It's been enjoyable, but it's been tough. So it's been a good balance, and hopefully 
In the next couple of weeks, leading into the competitive games, we'll get the rewards of that. I think we're going to have a couple of weeks until we have the Champions League games. It was a good test for us because Newcastle are going to be a Champions League side and that's obviously the quality and the fitness we want to try and get to. I'm sure we will over the next couple of weeks. We have time to work and keep progressing and moving forward. So no, I'm confident going into the games and we'll wait and see what happens. I think we're going to need to be adaptable and know different roles and different formations. And I think that's what pre-season is for it. It gives us a chance to test out different roles within the team and different formations at different times of the game. I think going forward that might be something that we need to look at. But as I say, I think the shape and how we've been playing has not really changed too much since the managers came in and we'll just keep working on that. On his former teammate McGregor, who left the club at the end of the season, Jack added, as a person he's a top-notch fellow, a top-notch guy, he's done a lot for me. Obviously, my time at Rangers was when he came back and straight away you could see what the club meant to him and how much it meant for him to wear that jersey. Obviously, putting up with him in the changing room for a few years has been tough. It's a great send-off. The fans showed up in numbers for him, and it was fully deserved. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Times Sport July 20 Via play, pull out of Scottish football, sparking blackout fear. Report by Ewan Payton Via play have pulled out of the coverage of UK sport that has now been confirmed. As a result of cost-cutting measures, the broadcaster will no longer fulfil their commitment to showcasing British sport. Therefore, this leaves the Scottish League Cup and Scotland national team games seemingly facing a TV blackout. The Nordic broadcasters are, of course, the main sponsors of the League Cup, with the competition renamed last season and they exclusively show League Cup matches on their channel. Motherwell vs Queen's Park is due to be shown live on Saturday as the group stages of the tournament enter the third match bay. Via Play had also agreed on a deal to show Scotland's matches on their channel until 2028. Now the Scandinavian streamers have confirmed that they will be letting go of 25% of their staff and will end all broadcasting in Britain, as well as the USA and Canada. Viaplay CEO Jorgen Madsen Lindman said, We are today announcing a new strategy and plan, which includes, but is not limited to, focusing on our core Nordic Netherlands and Viaplay select operations, which make available a wide range of Viaplay series, films and documentaries through partners around the world. Implementing a new operational model, downsizing, partnering or exiting our other international markets, 
right-sizing and pricing our product offering in the Nordics, undertaking a major cost reduction program, and conducting an immediate strategic review of the entire business to consider all options, including content sub-licensing, asset disposals, equity injections, or the sale of the whole group. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Times Sport, July 20 Celtic watching Xavier but face fight for signature. Report by Aidan Smith Celtic are eyeing a move for Dutch defender Xavier Mbuyamba, according to reports. After conceding six against Yokohama F. Marinos yesterday in pre-season, it was reaffirmed to Brendan Rodgers that defensive reinforcements are needed. The Daily Mail now report that the Hoops are looking at Volendam ace Mibuyamba, who is expected to leave the Eredivisie side this summer. The report goes on to state that Celtic will face a fight for his signature with a number of other top European clubs interested. The 21-year-old came through the Chelsea youth ranks and also spent time in the Barcelona academy. Meanwhile, Celtic boss Brendan Rodgers was keen to take the positives from a 6-4 defeat in the opening game of his side's pre-season tour of Japan. Former Yokohama player Dazen Maeda returned to the Nissan Stadium to score a first-half hat-trick to give the Singe Premiership champions a 3-2 interval lead. But Hoops midfielder David Turnbull scored what was effectively a late consolation as the J-League champions, who are midway through their league campaign, scored six goals. Rodgers, who recently returned for a second spell as Celtic boss, told the club's official website, It was a tough schedule for us in terms of arriving here so quickly. This is a good team and they're pretty much three quarters of the way through their season. It was perfect for what we needed with the fitness levels we need to be at, and there's still a lot of work to do on that front. We played two behind closed doors, and each game is a step up in performance levels. We cannot lose track of the priority at this stage. You can never go on results, and we need to build that fitness and you can see Yokohama with that bit sharper. We will get to that point, but we have to focus on our physicality, and that will improve over the coming weeks. The main priority was our fitness, and we will have benefited. You can see whenever it works well, some of the patterns in penetrating the space in behind to attract opponents out, and then counter them with the ball. They did that very well. In other moments we were maybe hesitant with the ball and maybe didn't get our pass away quickly enough. That's what pre-season is for. It's for flushing out all those mistakes and building your fitness up. And we can build that over the course of pre-season. Evening Times Sport, 
July 21 Cricket Scotland survive brief scare in World Cup qualifier win Report by Graeme McPherson Scotland opened their T20 World Cup qualifying campaign with a comprehensive win over Germany but were handed a brief scare by the Edinburgh rain. The saltires were put into bat by their visitors at Golden Acre and racked up a thumping total of 234 for 5 from their 20 overs. The recalled Ollie Hares top scored with 73 from just 36 balls, while Captain Richie Berrington also claimed a half century and hit 60 and Michael Leith chipped in with a handy 38 not out. For a while though, it looked as if the Scottish weather was going to put a dampener on things at the start of the German innings. The bowlers had to get through at least five overs to qualify for the Duckworth-Lewis scoring system, and for a while that looked in danger as the rain clouds got ever nearer and darker with Scotland bafflingly persisting with pace bowlers rather than rushing through their overs with spin. They only just made it before the showers started, with play suspended three balls into the sixth over. After an hour's delay, play resumed, with Germany given a revised total of 138 from their remaining five and a half overs. The Germans got through their total of 11 overs to finish on 65 for 7, with Mark Watt, Gavin Main and Safian Sharif all taking two wickets apiece and Leesk claiming the other. That handed Scotland a 72-run victory on the DLS count to get them off to a winning start. Earlier co-favourites to qualify, Ireland, were given a fright before scraping through in their opening match against Italy by just seven runs. Curtis Camphor was the Irish hero, putting on 61 runs with the bat before taking the wicket of Gian Piero Mead with the ball. In the opening game of the tournament, Jersey defeated Austria by eight wickets thanks largely to Nick Greenwood's 50 not out. Report by Graeme McPherson. Evening Times Sport, July 21. How Cyril Desserts earned Oh My God Verdict. Report by Liam Bryce. Strong, intelligent, a finisher and a pest. Leon Balogan is only just back through the door at Ibrooks, but he's seen and heard enough about Cyril Desserts to confidently conclude that Rangers have made a shrewd acquisition. Signed for £4.5 million from Serie A side Cremonese, the 28-year-old striker has been the club's most eye-catching capture of the summer so far. A Nigeria international, he and Bologan had crossed paths previously while representing the Super Eagles. And while those meetings were scarce, the returning centre-back always found himself feeling impressed. Bologan, now 35, 
signed a one-year contract to return to Rangers last week, a deal completed quickly in the wake of a long-term injury to Leon King. The veteran defender, visibly thrilled at the opportunity to rejoin Rangers, is still settling back into his new old surroundings, but it hasn't taken long for him to hear that Desers is making an impression. Balogan explained, I had only met him at the national team maybe three or four times, but I always felt he was a very intelligent striker. He's a very laid-back, friendly and approachable guy, but on the pitch he's a pest. Honestly, I was surprised. He's pretty strong. I remember I had a conversation with John Souter the other day and asked what he thought of him, and he said, Oh my God, he's so strong. You don't really expect that. He's good in front of the goal as well, and I think we're going to get a lot of joy out of him. He just needs to get up and running. But once he finds his confidence and finds his place in the team properly, I think we're going to have a lot of joy. Balogan revealed it to broadcast media that he had a hand in ensuring Desserts chose Scotland as his next destination, an approach from his countrymen seeking the Ibrox inside track that was met with the most emphatic of responses. Balogan firmly believes his first spell at Rangers were the best two years of his career, telling Desserts that however big he believes the club to be, it won't truly hit home until he gets started. Said Balogan, he basically just asked me what the club is like. He knew a little bit, but wanted to know what my experience was like. I told him that for me personally, I had the best time of my career here. I enjoyed it. The people are great. I told him they expect a lot, especially the supporters, but that just comes with the size of the club. He said, I know it's a big club, but I said, no you don't. I thought I had an idea when I came first time, but everyone said you only understand how big it is once you get here. That's what I told Cyril too. If you really have a chance, buy into it. If you feel the manager wants you, go for it, because he will be brilliant for you. The way I know the team and the club, You'll have a good time there if you do your part. Desers will be tasked with replacing Alfredo Morales at the forefront of Michael Beale's attack. The Colombian's Rangers career may have fizzled out slowly, but he still left as a major influence in the 2021 Premiership title win and as the club's all-time top goalscorer in Europe. Balogan stressed that Desers is a different profile of player from Morelis and thinks it would be unhelpful to directly compare the two. At his peak, Morelis was a hugely popular figure with Rangers fans and Balogan does believe that Desers has all the attributes to take over that fan favourite mantle. The centre-back said, I think he's a different player from Alfredo. Alfredo has done what he's done, 
and deserves all the praise for it. But I think no one is doing Cyril any favours if you compare and ask how he is compared to Morellis. I think everybody should just start with a clean slate. Look at Cyril and see what he brings to the table. Definitely he's got physical attributes and a good football brain. Like I said, I think he's going to be a joy to watch. When I said pest, I meant for any defender. For me personally in training, I don't like to play against him because he's mobile and strong. He's going to give you problems and make you work hard. He's shown bits of that in training already. If he brings that into the stadium and into the games, I'm pretty sure the fans will take a liking to him pretty quickly. As for his own return, Balogan unsurprisingly credited Beale as the key instigator. And he said, he was the one who decided he wanted to work with me again, so obviously it's colossal. That's maybe a bit dramatic, but he's quite an important figure in this whole thing. The funny thing is that the same night my agent texted me to tell me about Rangers' interest, I actually texted the manager to say congratulations on signing Cyril. I was joking to him and asked, where should I send the invoice? Obviously, I was talking to Cyril too. The manager thought was just asking how I was, but at that point, he must have already spoken to my agent, so he left me completely in the dark. But yes, I get along with him greatly. I really enjoy working with him. Even today we had a meeting in the morning. I won't share what he said, but he gets you to think and engages with the players. I think he educates players beyond football, and that's something very special, especially nowadays when man management is more important than ever. We have all just seen the Delhi Alley interview, and I think we can avoid these situations if you work on a relationship. You can never make everybody happy, but you can make them feel respected and appreciated, and I think he's very good at that. Report by Liam Bryce Evening Times Sport, July 21 Maida now main man at Celtic. Report by Ewan Payton. Brendan Rodgers has bagged Dazen Maida to be the main man for Celtic this season. The Japanese ace proved his worth as a centre forward on Wednesday as he bagged a hat-trick against Yokohama F. Marinos in a pre-season friendly and the hoops boss admits he sees the international as a striker and not as a winger. The opportunity for Maida to play through the middle came from Kyogo's absence, with Rogers keen to build his fitness up. Rogers said, I thought Dazen was outstanding against Yokohama. I like him more through the middle. I think he does a good job on the side, but there's a reason he plays for Japan through the middle. I think his penetration and his movement is terrific. I was really impressed with his touch because I think he's usually a player who's running away from the ball. But when he had to link the game and set the game 
I thought he was very good, and how he threatened their back line was excellent. On top of that, his pressing is phenomenal. I like players at the top end who can really press the game, and Dazen can definitely do that. Kyogo has obviously been brilliant for Celtic, but he's still working his way to fitness. He's had a bit of an issue with his shoulder, hence the reason he only came on against Yokohama. But I thought Dazen was outstanding. There are parts of his game to develop, but we don't want him to be one who is running away from the ball. When defences are deep, we need the front players to come off it, lay the ball off and get in the box. It's an important aspect of football, and I could see on Wednesday that Dazen could do that, as he was excellent. It's just about adding to players' development. Dazen is still a young player who can improve. Of course his strength is running in behind, but sometimes there won't always be that space. So can we develop his game and get him into areas he can work the defenders? But we could see from the 60 minutes against Yokohama, he can do a bit of everything and score goals. He's a very honest player who will play anywhere for the team. He's done a really job playing out wide, but when I look at his strengths, he's very much suited for playing central. Report by Ewan Payton. Evening Times Sport, July 21. Lewis Mayo completes Kilmarnock transfer return. Report by David Irvin. Lewis Mayo has completed a transfer return to Kilmarnock. The 23-year-old spent last season on loan in Ayrshire from Rangers and now returns on a permanent deal. It is understood Kilmarnock paid a six-figure transfer fee to land the defender on a three-year deal. A club statement read, Kilmarnock Football Club are delighted to announce the permanent signing of Lewis Mayo who has joined from Rangers. He returns to Rugby Park on a three-year contract, having impressed on loan during the 22-23 campaign. The 23-year-old established himself as a key part of the defence in his first year in top-flight football, making 42 appearances during a season which saw Kelly secure premiership survival and return to Hamden Park. The former Scotland under-21 international will be available for this weekend's Viaplay League Cup clash against Dunfermline Athletic, pending SFA approval. Report by David Irvin Evening Times Sport, July 21 Scotland 40, USA 13 under-20s on track to finish top of Pool A. Report by David Barnes. A dominant second-half performance in which they scored 26 unanswered points kept Scotland on track to finish top of Pool A in the Junior World Trophy in Kenya. Their last group stage match is against Uruguay next Tuesday. The South Americans are also two from two, so this will be a straight shootout to reach the trophy final on July 30. Scotland need to win that match in order to secure promotion back into the top tier 
Junior World Championship in 2024. Co-captain Ben Afshar was the catalyst to yesterday's win, with two tries in five minutes immediately after half-time. He also kicked five out of his six conversion attempts. Scotland head coach Kenny Murray said, I was very frustrated coming up at half-time. We didn't really stick to our game plan. We probably tried to win the game in the first 10 minutes, using a few line-out options we'd hope to use later on in the game. So there's a learning in that for some of our decision-makers at 9 and 10. We also missed a couple of tackles to hand over cheap points, so we need to be more clinical there. At half-time, we spoke about respecting the ball, getting into corners and using our drive, then getting off the line in defence. So we put ourselves under a bit of pressure, and it was a really good learning for the boys to find a way to win. We pretty much dominated them in the second half, which was really pleasing to see. As Murray began to look ahead, to the Uruguay game, he added, We got through the game well with new fresh injuries, with no new fresh injuries to worry about. Uruguay are quite a big team up front, but watching that first game they played against the USA, I thought they tired a lot in the second half, so our game plan and strategy needs to be based around making them really work. Scotland took the lead on 15 minutes when an attack down the short side from a line-out mall gave Finn Douglas the chance to skip past his man and scamper home, with Afshar converting. USA bounced back almost immediately when they pierced the Scottish defensive line and sent Corbin Smith over for a try, which was converted by Hugh O'Kennedy who then kicked a not-rolling-away penalty against Johnny Morris on 27 minutes to edge his team into the lead. Scotland thought they had recaptured the initiative when, after several phases of driving play on the USA line, the ball was eventually sent out to standoff Andy McLean, who threaded a lovely grubber into the corner for Logan Jarvey to pounce on but the try was chalked off for an illegal clear-out by co-skipper Liam McConnell earlier in the move. The USA extended their lead when loose handling and a side-entry penalty conceded directly in front of Scotland's post allowed O'Kennedy to kick three more easy points. Scott's pressure did eventually pay off with just 30 seconds of the first half to play, when the young Thistles kicked a scrum penalty to the corner, then bashed their way over, with Finlay Thompson hitting the line hard to apply the finishing touch. Scotland fired out of the blocks at the start of the second half, and quickly stretched their lead when forward power marched the USA back to just short of their own line, creating the opportunity for Afshar to pick up from the base and scuttle over. The scrum half struck again ten minutes later, once again breaking from the base after Scotland's dominant maul had taken play 
to five yards short of the USA line. Then McLean demonstrated his eye for a gap, not for the first or last time in this match, when darting in for the fifth try with just under an hour played. Corey Tate rounded off the scoring when he applied the downward pressure following another powerful line-out maul, which the USA simply had no answers to. Report by David Barnes Evening Times Sport, July 21 STV detail free-to-air alternative After Viaplay's statement Report by David Irwin STV chiefs have thrown open the door to a possible broadcaster partnership to bring more Scottish football matches free to air. The broadcaster will actively explore possible avenues to offer live coverage of Scottish football where this can be achieved on a commercial basis. Viaplay announced a radical plan to refocus efforts in the Nordic and Netherlands markets on Thursday prompting concerns over Scottish broadcast rights deals. However, both the SPFL and Scottish FA remain relaxed over the situation, with payments to both bodies up to date. It is expected Viaplay Cup matches will continue to be aired by the Nordic broadcaster this season, with little disruption, and the Scottish FA have no concern over the recent developments with fees banked and rights to show Scotland national team matches sold by UEFA. Viaplay also hold the rights to the Scottish Cup, which are sold by IMG. Now though, STB have suggested they could partner with another broadcaster to bring Scottish matches to free-to-air TV if the opportunity arises. While no guarantees have been made, over any deal. It appears STB would be willing to explore the possibility after Viaplay's decision to seek a partnership or even sell on TV rights in international zones. An STB statement in response to the developing Viaplay scenario read, Like our viewers, we would love for more Scottish matches to be available free to air including on STV, where this can be achieved on a commercial basis. We continue to actively explore different ways of bringing more Scottish football to STV viewers, including the potential of sharing of rights with other broadcasters. Report by David Irvin. Evening Times Sport, July 24. Abada Celtic Transfer State of Play Report by David Irvin Brendan Rodgers has revealed Lille Abada wants to stay at Celtic after an honest discussion between the pair. The Celtic manager sat down with the Israel winner to talk over his future with speculation mounting over a possible transfer exit. However, Rogers is now confident Abada wants to stay at Parkhead and take his game to another level. There were suggestions Abada could be targeted by Sporting Lisbon, Ajax or Turkish giants Fenerbahce 
in the summer window, but after a chat with Rogers, Abada seems set to remain at Parkhead. Rogers told the Scottish Sun, We had a nice conversation, a really open conversation, when I came in. He sat in the office, and I just wanted to know what his ambitions were and what he wanted to achieve. He is very keen, and he really wants to be here to improve, but he also understands there needs to be competition when you are at a top club. That pushes you. Overall, I like his game when I was watching from afar. I like his runs, and he has a real killer instinct in front of goal. You don't get that many goals unless you want to score, which I love. There are other areas we can look at to help him get to another level. It comes as Rio Hatati admitted last week that he still has ambitions of playing at the highest level. The Japan international was quizzed on whether he would be keen on playing in England in the future by homeland media outlets and he conceded that he would be interested in a move in the future after links to Brighton and Tottenham in recent months. Discussing the possibility of a move to England in the future, he said, If I can take on a challenge, I want to. There are things I cannot do anything about. But when I lose my ambition, I'm finished as a player. That's a natural thing for a player. Report by David Irvin Evening Times Sport, July 24 Liam Bryce says Celtic's summer of serenity, a precursor to the inevitable madness. Expect things to move quickly from here. Brendan Rodgers has cut a noticeably relaxed figure since he walked back through the doors of Celtic Park last month. But you feel the time for assessing is coming to its end. That's been the manager's go-to phrase of late, positioning himself as the all-seeing eye as he ruminates over what form his second Celtic team will take. The now-concluded tour of Japan was the perfect opportunity to see it all up close, a week to observe his squad up close and decide who fits into it and where. Undoubtedly, Futures will have been decided by the time Celtic touch back down in Glasgow, and this new era will surely move into a higher move. Saturday's win over Gamba Osaka, which featured two different 11s, is likely to be the last of the heavy rotation prevalent in the early stages of pre-season. Before the game, Rogers intimated that the core of his squad would be prioritised for minutes in the final friendlies against Wolves and Athletic Club. Those two matches, then, should offer a glimpse into how he envisions Celtic lining up when Ross County comes to Glasgow on August 5. Given their many stylistic similarities, Rogers was never going to rip up the Ange Postikoglu handbook entirely, but he has made subtle tweaks which will become ever more prominent as the weeks progress, and a squad built almost entirely in the previous manager's image 
becomes increasingly accustomed to his methods. One certainty from the two matches in Japan is the manager clearly views Ryo Hatate as of the utmost importance. When the midfielder was on the pitch, almost everything went through him, and it's little wonder why. So often, he looked a class above. The change from Postikoglu's 4-3-3 to a 4-2-3-1, moving him in alongside Callum McGregor to exert a greater influence in the early stages of the team's build-up. Premier League interest will inevitably continue to simmer around the 25-year-old, and he did not exactly shut down the prospect when speaking to Japanese media on Saturday. These interviews should be taken cautiously, though, as context can often be lost in translation. That Hatate views his future as being in one of Europe's elite leagues will be of no surprise to Celtic fans, who are growing increasingly accepting of the club's status in football's distorted pecking order. They will hope it just doesn't transpire this summer. Celtic have already made big bucks from the £25 million sale of Jota to Al Itihad and will feel absolutely no pressure to sell should richer clubs come calling. Rogers was asked directly about said interest earlier in the week and reading between the lines of his response pointed to a firm belief Hatati would be around to play in the Champions League come September. That continental stage was among Rogers' primary motivators in returning to Glasgow, and with it came an expectation that the club was ready to spend considerable amounts to facilitate a real challenge against the European elite. But it was a narrative that Rogers seemed to somewhat bristle at in speaking to the press out in Japan, suggesting there was an inference he had only been drawn back to Scotland by the prospect of receiving backing on a different level to any other Celtic manager. It might just quell the notion that Celtic are going to shatter transfer records this summer, even with the club accounts significantly bolstered by Jota's departure. The prospect of eight-figure fees was an exciting one for supporters, obviously, but the club have taken an established transfer model and refined it impressively over the past two years. If it's not broken, don't fix it, etc., etc. Signing business has been efficient so far. Auden Tiago home and Marco Tilio were lined up before Rogers' arrival and their acquisitions were quickly signed off and completed. Paperwork may be holding up official announcements for Yang and Kwon, but they are, by all accounts, done deals. Legia Warsaw centre-back Make No Rocky looks set to be next on a five-year contract to add the defensive cover many suspected Rogers would be keen to add. 
not having Champions League qualifiers to fret over may have eased the need for urgency. But Celtic seem to be operating as functionally as ever in the market and the prospect of any deadline day scrambles feel remote at this juncture. It's a drama-free approach, a telltale sign that the recruitment department is working as it should be. The number of incomings, however, will surely dictate that some amount of debt clearing will be necessary. Those who did not make the journey to Japan will surely be first to head for the exit door, albeit Albion Ajeti is reportedly in no hurry to walk away from the final year of his contract. Elsewhere, though, the process has already begun with the lesser-spotted Liam Shaw joining Wigan Athletic on loan for the season. But uncertainty surrounds some of those who were involved in the Far East, namely the likes of Liam Scales, whose prospect of playing time are surely not improved by Noroki's imminent arrival. There have been murmurs that he could return to Aberdeen, where he spent last term on loan. And then there are the likes of David Turnbull, involved semi-regularly under Postecoglou, but mainly from the bench. The Scotland international looks sharp against Gamba, but you feel he is approaching a career crossroads. Having just turned 24, he needs to be playing every week. But can Celtic still offer him that? That midfield area looks particularly packed. As Rogers homes in, in on the players he sees as first choice over the next few weeks, where that leaves others will start to become clearer. Either way, it's been a rather serene summer at Celtic Park. Even the disappointment of losing Jota was softened by that astronomical fee, and there's been a calm assuredness about Rogers from the moment he arrived back. Serenity in Glasgow, with titles on the line, derbies to be contested, and a seat at Europe's top table all to come. It surely cannot last, suggests Liam Bryce. Evening Times Sport, July 24. Rangers discover Champions League opponents. Report by David Irvin. Rangers will face the winners of Servette and Genk in the Champions League third qualifying round. Michael Beale's Ibrox side have been paired with the winners of the match between the Swiss and Belgian club in the second qualifying round. Rangers were seeded in the draw, and drawn first meaning the first leg will be played at Ibrox, which will be on 8th or 9th August. The second leg will be held a week later on 15 August. To reach the Champions League group stage, Rangers must first overcome their third qualifying round opposition before winning a two-legged playoff round. Report by David Irvin That concludes this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our channels at Cure Review, 
and to tell your friends about our service.